What's up, guys? Before we get this episode started, I just want to do a little shout-out to a podcast we've been rocking with recently, the Back Pocket Podcast. We met these guys on Instagram, shot them a message, had a little chat. We really love what they're doing. Um, so we decided we'd give them a shout-out on our podcast uh, so you guys can can learn about some other podcasts that are out there that we, uh, that we also listen to. So I'll give you a little information. The Back Pocket aims at bringing life and appreciation to the stories of common individuals. Listeners quickly learn they are not so common after all. In reality, the storytelling illuminates how every person has innate ability to be an entrepreneur, a motivator, and an influencer. The hosts Andrew and Sarah and Declan Brown are simply two wildly average guys who fully recognize their flaws. Through their average qualities, they strive to narrate the inspiring stories of each guest. Give them a listen and learn something new from their podcast. They will better your life and motivate you to be the best version of yourself. Guys, the content these guys are putting out is awesome. You get a mix of everything. You get some entrepreneurship. You get some some motivation. Um, and you get two average guys that are just trying to spread good throughout the world. And uh, we kind of align with them in that sense. We're, we're pretty two average guys that just drink coffee and talk about physiotherapy. So we highly suggest that you guys go over and give them a listen. You can find them on iTunes. Uh, they're on YouTube as well. Um, and give them a follow on Instagram, the Back Pocket Podcast. Uh, send them a message. Let them know that you heard uh, our shout out on our podcast. I'm sure they would love to hear from you guys. And now, get your coffee ready for episode 19. Welcome to the Movement PT Coffee Cast, where we sit down and talk about physical therapy, health, and whatever else comes to mind during our coffee-infused conversations. Drinking coffee. Nice. That's okay. <laughs> I'm say, I'll say it's coffee. It's tea. <laughs> I've already coffeeed out today. Are you guys drinking it? We are. Yeah, we're crazy. Yeah. We kind of have to, you know. It's the thing. Yeah, you, you have to. Uh, you know, when I was back in as a student, I would drink coffee at all hours. So, yeah, you know, I, I know how it is. It is one of those. All right. All right, guys, welcome back to the Movement PT Coffee Cast. My name's Dalton, and with me, as always, is my beautifully bearded friend, William. William, how are we doing today? You know, I can't really complain. Got a little bit of a sunburn on my yeah, face. Yeah, I noticed that. What, what did you do this weekend? I went to uh, Grand Bend to a little beach, but the thing was is that there was overcast, right? So I didn't put on sunscreen. So you're like, oh, I'm good. That's where they get you. Yeah. Yeah. That'll happen. It is what it is. You still look great. It's okay. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, guys. We're back at it again this week with another interview. William, would you like to uh, give a little intro to our guest? Sure. We got uh, Mike Gavro from uh, Ottawa, Canada. Woo. Actually works with someone that we had on the podcast uh, previously, Nick St. Louis. And uh, they run a clinic together called Optimize Physiotherapy. Is that right? Physiotherapy and sport medicine. Yeah, we got both. Perfect. So, yeah, so we got Mike on here. Mike, uh, why don't you just say what's up? How's it going? So, yeah, I'm Mike from uh, Optimize Physiotherapy and Sport Medicine. So, I am, uh, along with Nick, we run the physio side of things. So, we started about almost three years ago, and we've been going pretty steady at it. We started just us two, and we've got two more with us now, and a third's about to to join in uh, a few months from now so cool yeah, glad to be on the show yeah we're, yeah. <laughs> we're yeah. pumped to have you <laughs> i kind of want to i want to jump in on right away into uh just like your clinic and, and getting it started i mean you, you're i didn't even know that you guys were only open for three years you guys are moving pretty quickly how uh 
how did that all come about? And like, what, what was the decision to go ahead and start your own, your own place there with Nick? Yeah. So I actually went to Western, the same school as you guys go to. So, um, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I graduated in 2013 and I went back to Ottawa. I started in a clinic in Ottawa and I was, you know, it's a similar story that you hear a lot of people seeing about 20, 25 people a day. Um, I knew I wanted to open a clinic up Nick as well. We had that plan in the back of our minds since we graduated. So it was only a matter of time. And we thought that, you know, let's just gain some experience, uh, for a few years at least. And then from there, in terms of opening it up, uh, it happened probably sooner than we thought. Now we were lucky. My, my father is a, a sport med physician. So he actually was practicing alongside me, uh, in, um, my first job. So, he was there. I learned a lot from him, uh, but he was kind of on the separate side of the clinic. We were working a big company in Ottawa. Uh, so we kind of all three of us decided to join together and open something up. So the sport med side is kind of separate from the physio side, but Nick and my uh, father opened it up. So we got started um, seeing, you know, one to two people a day. We just got started very slowly, but things started to progress quickly. And I think that was based on the, the approach we were taking. Uh, the big thing is I wanted to get out of that 25 people a day model. Mm -hmm. And as did Nick, we decided just to, you know, from square one, set it up the way we wanted to. So seeing, you know, one person an hour, two max, and just spending time with people. And we wanted to take a very different approach in terms of functional movement and mobility and just do things that we always wanted to do, but never had the time uh, to actually do so. Cool. But yeah, it's been about... It'll be three years in August, so yeah, it's it's been a, quite the ride. We've progressed along the way in terms of our own treatment and style, um, but it's been fun to actually train some other physios along the way, and we've started the courses uh, along the way too to train some other you know people in in Ottawa and around uh, in terms of some students at schools in Ontario and and uh, abroad as well. Yeah, that's awesome. It, it's interesting to me because um, you say like, you know, you were at the, the clinic before where you're seeing 25 people a day um, and you kind of, based off what you're saying, it kind of made you seem like the way you didn't want to go about practicing, you wanted to open your own place where you're seeing, you know, one to two people an hour. I feel like a lot of people want that, but for some reason, I don't know if it's like the old way of, of thinking or it's like almost like physios have some type of fear to move away from that model and into a more like of a model that, that you guys are trying to, to, to bring at optimize. Do, do you see that? Or do you kind of, do you feel like that's, that's something that's going on right now in the physio world? Like. For sure. I think, think that we, the way we looked at it, we wanted to be, uh, we wanted to do our own thing and we wanted to completely flip it on its head because we realized the model that currently existed was, in our minds is unsustainable, but uh, it, it was also very ineffective as, in terms of what we were capable of doing as physical therapists, right? Um, so we, we saw ourselves as having such a big skill set and, you know, we can do so much to help people, but it just, the whole model didn't allow for that. So we needed to really, really get outside of that. And I do agree. I think a lot of people are trying to work within the model uh, and they're, they do their best. Um, some of my colleagues do their best to do what they can. Uh, but the model itself is the problem, I think. So just if you're still within that model, it's hard to do your thing. You need to find somewhere where that allows you to actually do your thing um, and somewhere that allows you to explore, experiment, uh, and just really figure out and find out what physios can actually do for people. So, 
It's obviously like a lot different from the traditional kind of physiotherapy setting. Like it's like you kind of mentioned, it's more movement based. Um, do you see a lot of patients come in having that expectation or is it something that is new for a lot of patients and they're maybe used to some of the more passive things and do you have to kind of like navigate that a bit and kind of reintroduce them to kind of your more movement based system? For sure. It, that's always the struggle. I mean, whenever somebody comes in and everyone at our clinics on the same page, our sport med docs included, like our docs will even ask somebody to do a squat, stand on one leg. They yeah. completely use a functional movement approach. But for on our step, from our standpoint, it's about, you know, the first conversation is, is telling people what to expect, uh, asking them what they've received before in terms of care. And oftentimes it's like the first half of the, uh, the assessment is just like, okay, here's how we do things. Um, and, and really trying to get past their minds of what physio is because a lot of times we'll often ask like what's your experience been like with physio and, and sometimes it's it's not even a positive one right begs the question, why are you even here in the first place but luckily um you have the conversation they're like oh this is this is way different like i'm used to yeah. having machines stuck on me for half the time um or most of the time i'm used to all these things and again that goes back to that same model so we try to really you know take it patient by patient and really i think you have to do it from the grassroots up take a patient my patient and they spread the word and now we're starting to see more and more people who are actually searching us out for right. that reason at the start it was more this weird different thing and now it's like oh i'm coming to you because i heard you guys do this and i can't find that anywhere else uh, you know in the city or or in our area or in our neighborhood so so yeah people are coming to us they love it um it's almost it looks like a gym it, it really yeah. it looks you know we have i think seven beds um, but they're only in one area. We just recently expanded. Now it, the, the expansion area is just pure gym space. And we've got maces, clubs, a lot of unconventional tools that we use, um, you know, hanging bars, monkey bars, a lot of different stuff that you wouldn't typically see in a physiotherapy clinic. And that's what, that's what people are starting to be attracted to. So it's kind of become its own thing. Yeah, I would like I would like to actually hear you touch on that a little bit more. Like th that's the one thing that really drew us towards um, towards you and, and Nick, and we obviously took the uh, the course that you guys offered. But just seeing you guys using some of those un untraditional like physiotherapy pieces of equipment, how how do you implement some of those those pieces into your treatment as a physical therapist? Well, it comes down to at the start we we need to make sure somebody is moving properly. So. Um, you know, we don't like to hyperanalyze anybody's movement, but we like to break it down into like hardware and software. So mobility would be the hardware. Um, software is more like how they're moving. What are their strategies for movement? So first of all, it's really getting people back to kind of figuring out how their own bodies work. We don't like to be like very picky about, about things like that, but just mm -hmm. getting people to remove the roadblocks to their own movement, getting them to open up their joints so they have the appropriate availability of movement. Um, that's kind of square one and step one. Once they know to do things like hinge and they can really get aware of their body, then we start to introduce some various loads and uh, some of these different tools that um, that you won't often see at other places. So, uh, for instance, we've got the steel maces, which are good to, we've been training people um, rotationally with those. So just getting people to feel rotation through their hips, through their T-spine, 
Um, those are, it's really good for that. The club's really good for practicing throwing mechanics for our higher level athletes. Um, but even that's even something I'm getting the average person to do is learn how to actually throw what it feels like to use your shoulder and your scalp to rotate through your T-spine and your hips to throw something. Because I believe that that's one of the pinnacles of what the shoulder can actually do. So, you know, just training with tools like that to get people to do primitive movements that they they, you know, our ancestors used to do. Um, and, and just giving them, it just gives them a way to do that with some extra load. Uh, we're big into kettlebells too. So I know a lot of other clinics are starting with that, but we, we will get people carrying, uh, lifting, a bunch of different stuff, things like the Turkish get up, base movement uh, with, with that. And again, we, we're big into the climbing stuff. So we've got these stall bars on our wall now. We've got um, some bars that you can hang off. We're big on rings. So just getting people hanging from stuff and using rings to actually demonstrate strength and stability as well. So yeah, this kind of all comes together. The load really not what matters the most, although these different styles of loads give us more opportunity to train different different motions, right? If right. you've got a club, it's different than a mace. Um, it just throws your, it's just a way to test the robustness of your movement system under load. Right. So, but people tend to like that though, right? Because it's, it's something, yeah. that, so if you get somebody swinging a mace around or a club around, they, they kind of really feel that and they, they like it and they go and tell people that they did it and then they'll come back and be like, Hey, can I swing that around again? I've had people go home and, and buy maces and clubs, multiple different patients who, who, who will come in and bring their own clubs in and be like, yeah, I bought this for home. It's That's completely something like somebody who's been going to the gym and doing their, their regular routine for, for 10 years, but they come in, they're like, wow, this is, this is fun. And I, and I like this, right. It's just a different way to explore your movement. So. Yeah, I think that's cool. That's something that we definitely got from talking with Nick where you guys try to have someone come in and, and leave at the end doing something that they never really expected that they can do. And I think that's super powerful. And I think using those tools is a great way to, to do it, right? Like you're saying, like you make sure you lock down that those core movements, like they're, hip, they're, they're hinging properly, they're, they're squatting properly, they're, they're back in tune with their movement, and then you're loading them up in a way that – that is challenging them, but also is fun. And, and I feel like from what I've noticed using like the mace and stuff is like, you have to be cognitively focused on what you're doing too. So like it all kind of incorporates all those things together. And it's almost like a, you get into some like flow state almost. And I can see how people get really like empowered by being able to do those things in the clinic. Exactly. Another couple of things we've been doing is um, you've probably seen the beam work for through the foot collective. Yeah. So we'll get people on balance beams no matter what age they are. So we sometimes start with things like a two by four on the ground um, and just getting people walking the line, like literally. And that's something that you, you just said, we try to get people physical freedom, right? So just doing things that they didn't think they could do mm -hmm. because in the end it's all about giving them the capacity to use their body in a pain-free manner. Yeah. And oftentimes like there's, there's, scared of movement uh, they're not comfortable with their own bodies they don't know what their bodies can do and you just need to kind of show them along the way so giving them like task-based movement is, is good too things like the beam um, just you know getting them to walk over stuff just giving them tasks in the external environment that get them to, to use their bodies in ways that they they didn't know they could do um, and it's very free and you'll see people who like shrug it off right away and you introduce something like the beam and they're like oh there's no way i could do that and, and then it's just something like you know you'll just you'll give them some sticks you give them a safety buffer and then five minutes later they're laughing and they're they're doing it in a, in this and then they're addicted like you're you're like trying to kick them out of the yeah. clinic because they're, they're, <laughs> they're all done and it's some it's weird it's, it happens all the time we've got this indo board 
do. So it's almost like this balance surfboard thing that we put people on. Same thing. People are just very, oh, very hesitant at first. Yeah, they're they're awesome. But again, I have like I probably have like three 65 year old ladies who are like addicted to that thing. And just come <laughs> They literally come in and ask to use it. I'm like, okay, enough's enough. We, we but it, it's awesome <laughs> you know? when people really, when they really like buy into stuff like that. And yeah. then it just helps them. Other like they'll go out and they'll they'll say like, oh, I I went paddleboarding on the weekend. I never thought I would actually do that, but but I was confident because of what I did in the clinic, right? Stuff like that. It gives them the the physical freedom to, to be able to do what they want to do in a pain free manner. So, yeah, I feel like that's huge. Like even just teaching people how like or empowering them to have that confidence right and and like you were talking about before especially with like exactly. a lot of like um you know like back pain or for an example like there's a lot of that uh fear that can be involved and i like how some of those things they like they're a task so it takes away the attention towards like oh this is uh working on my back it's more just more like a reactive stability type thing where now you're just focused on completing the task because it's so challenging. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I feel like that's super powerful. Yeah, the funny, funny thing is when you give them an external task like that, oftentimes it not only does it like detract from their pain, they're not thinking about it anymore, but it actually loosens tone up and things like mm -hmm. that. They go to that protective response. Like if right. somebody comes in with acute low back, pain i'll literally get them on the ground i'll get them like rolling around like a child i'll get them on the balance <laughs> beam like just weird stuff and and after they're done all this stuff i'll ask them does your, how does your back feel and oftentimes like it obviously it depends on how acute it is but oftentimes we've just melted away 50 percent of their pain or their protective tone yeah. just by getting them doing something like that um you know if you put a smile on their face along the way it helps even more so it's just something that very very you know getting out of that traditional like scare tactic model where everything is like you know we're not buying it's not like their pain doesn't exist but we're not really buying into all of these things hardcore we're letting them explain what's happening to them but then we're actually putting them into positions and, and getting them doing things that will help them along the way because a lot of times people are just that you know as you guys know pain is so complex and there's so many different factors playing into their pain from the things they've been told uh, to the way they're used to holding themselves to how stressed they are so all of these things kind of come find that pain signal so yeah it's really about getting them focused on really something else and that alone is very very key i love that yeah do you guys have like a movement practice yourself right like you guys obviously have experimented yeah. with a lot of these things do you kind of like take some time out of the day and just like play around for sure so we have uh, a meeting we do every two weeks with all of our physios and it's in the middle of the day we wanted to make sure we prioritized it so yeah. that's where we will We'll experiment with stuff we'll we'll roll around we'll we'll show and demonstrate exercises we'll just chat about things that's awesome. so that's kind of our scheduled time now on the side we every one of our therapists make sure that they they are in tune with what they're doing uh, we we like to get people to have a move practice of their own so for for me i make sure that i schedule some time into my day each and every day to experiment with things and literally just sometimes i want to have a plan i'll just start going and once you start flowing and going you'll you'll just just things will come to mind. You'll be in different positions and you'll be like, Oh, this is cool. I could apply this to so-and-so. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I think that's a big thing with our therapists. We get them to really act uh, and treat themselves as patient zero. And I think that's, that goes for all physical therapists is that until you really treat yourself as patient zero, you don't know necessarily how 
if you don't know how your own body works and moves and maneuvers, it's harder for you to teach things to your mm -hmm. clients, other physios, etc. So um, most of what I learn is just from stuff I've been doing on myself through my own movement practices and just, you know, literally screwing around sometimes. So, so yeah, it's something we really try to preach and get across to all of our physical therapists. Yeah, I, I like that. I think, I think it's cool that you get like everyone together and you guys go over all kinds of stuff or new things you're trying. I've, I've noticed like just doing what we've done through like our Instagram page and trying to come up with exercises or ideas that we can post on our page. It's just had me go and try different things that I probably never would have tried before. And then it's like, I'll be on placement or, or I'll be thinking about something. I'll be like, Oh, like I remember trying like this movement and this is kind of how I felt. And this really like allowed my hips to kind of move in a certain direction. I'm like, Oh, I could implement this as like an exercise or, or some, some form of it for, for someone that I'm working with. And I think if you really take the time to experiment, like you're saying, you'll be surprised as to like some of the things you come up with or, and you'll be surprised at how hard some simple tasks are that you're giving people that, that are way harder than what you actually think they are because you've never really tried them before. Exactly. And it also helps you on the injury side of things too. So I know that whenever I get a tweak or an injury, um, you know, knock on wood, it doesn't happen often these days, but last time I took my back, I was doing heavy deadlifts a couple of years ago and it really showed me how to get through it myself. Now, along the way, I've had a few little minor tweaks, um, but something that probably would have been catastrophic in years before physio was something that I, I was like, okay, let's, let's see how I would work through this on myself and let's see how quickly I can get through this and, and what, what I do. So I use every little tweak or injury uh, in my own movement practice as a way to really get through it. So I can explain that to others too, because I think that, you know, if you haven't, been through yourself you don't know how robust the actual body is you don't know how much you should push when you should back off when you should push uh, there's always times where you should actually back off uh, but I found for for most cases we should actually be pushing a little bit more in yeah. terms of just getting people moving more and just breaking some of these protective you know reactions that happen in their body and, and if, if you're not used to that yourself you you don't know you know in those situations what to do as well so yeah, I always tell people, I joke around, I say, like, I, I love it when I get injured because then it shows me, uh, you know, it allows me to experiment and try to get through it. So then I can impart that knowledge back on my patients. And every time that happens, I get better and better at doing it. So, yeah, I agree. That actually happened to me too, not that long ago. Like, I, I had tweaked my back. And I think what really it helped me is like just with that idea around <clears throat> pain and, and, and that it doesn't necessarily mean that like I have destroyed my back completely and kind of how you can work into a little bit of pain and that's okay. And understanding that there's many other factors that are like kind of contributing to it. And if you can control, you know, some of the factors and, and that's a great way of, of, um, of getting yourself back to where you were. I think it really helped me, uh, in that sense too, of when I'm working with people in the clinic. You also get a little bit more like empathy. Yeah, like, for sure. Like we were talking about, uh, Dalton's injury and like, he was like, he didn't realize how bad the initial like couple days are. Yeah. You know, it really does feel yeah. like the end of the world. Like you're not going to be able to, it's a really vulnerable position to be in. You can see how right? people can definitely spiral like into like those dark places for sure. If you don't understand oh, yeah. what's going on with your body. When you can't walk like, or even roll over for in bed for that matter. And yeah. I've, I've been in that situation. Like when you go to roll over and the, the breath is just taken out of you because you can hardly even move. Yeah. That is, that's pretty significant. Or when you can't even put weight down in your leg because your back pain is so, so bad. 
Um, you know, so it's just knowing what to explain to people that, yeah, this is not how it's going to be. This is just one incident. You're going to get through this. You're very, very robust. Yeah. And I think that if you don't, if you haven't gone through it yourself, then you, you can't really with confidence ex explain that to people. And I think people can really feel how confident you are. They, they can really feel it. Even if you're saying the exact same thing as the person next to you, if they can feel that you, you know that they're going to be good, mm -hmm. that really, really helps them along the way. And that's huge. So being very, very confident yourself will allow people to see the confidence in you and that's going to help them get better a lot quicker because they're going to have faith in knowing that, okay, this guy's here to help me and he's been through it before and I, and I can feel that he knows what he's talking about. So I'm just going to go with this and see what happens as opposed to being very skeptical or, or guarded in terms of that. And that's a lot of people's experiences before with, with physio, unfortunately, but uh, I think it's starting to change for the yeah. better. Yeah, I agree. I feel like that's where a lot of the discussion is right now. Like, uh, at that initial stage, like can kind of go either like one of two ways, right? Like kind of like feed into their worries that they're already coming in with, especially if they've had like imaging or something. Like, oh yeah. Do you get that a lot? Well, you'll have people like coming in with imaging and, and they're really worried about maybe what they saw or something like that. Oh yeah. That imaging is a whole that I, you know, that really bothers me because it really affects people's perceptions of their own bodies and their their pain. It makes them feel like they're they can't do anything about what's happening, and, and it's really this this feeling that happens, and that that really plays into. Pain. But I've seen it where people have been so caught up on their imaging that they have not even gone down and try to to recover because they're they're set in their ways so much and some of it's been what they've been told by their doctors their physical therapists uh, their trainers even so yeah I think imaging is something we really really got to watch out for especially when it comes to musculoskeletal which is what we're dealing with mm -hmm. and we, we can't really let it like to be honest I do not I will look at an image but I will give it very very little thought in terms of and until I like, I, I will keep it in mind. It's part of my clinical big picture, but I will, I'll really explain to people. I will kind of downplay it to people because they're often coming in and, and upplaying it so much to me. And they're like, have you seen my imaging? Have you seen my imaging? Yeah. So I really let them know that like, I'm not even concerned about that. I'm not, I'm not, I am, but I'm not right. right. And, I, and then you go through the whole conversation. Some people are okay about it. Some people really, you have to sit down for 10 minutes and, and explain why it's not as relevant as, as they thought it was, right. uh, how that their body is robust, how that's just an image and a snapshot in time. They're not doomed, right? It just, if, it's just all these typical things we need to explain. If you image my back, you'd probably pe see some nastiness in there, right? If you yeah. image my shoulder, I've torn my shoulder twice in hockey back in the day. It probably doesn't look too pretty in there, but my shoulder feels great. And that's what I always tell people. Right? <laughs> it doesn't look at all so so yeah it's just something we get really really got to watch out for and i think you're starting to see the tide turn on that too and even our sport medicine doctors are very wary of that and they won't play into it either they'll they'll tell people straight like it is but unfortunately oftentimes it comes from the medical side of things where they've been told from a from an md um what's going on and, and it's not you know no one's trying to to harm anybody but yeah. it is what it is it's just something that it's a part of the clinical picture there. They don't have the time uh, 
or resources to to look into things as deeply as we do right oftentimes it's just this thing where you know a snapshot in time here's your diagnosis there you go go see a physical therapist they'll try to help you out and then the patient's just caught in the middle and they're like right. what's going on here i don't i don't know so yeah that's definitely the the cycle you can fall into for sure um, I kind of wanted to get into a little bit about uh, you guys traveling around and doing some of your, your courses that you guys have offering. I know you, you just got back from, from LA, right? Were you guys just there not that long ago? So Nick was just there on the weekend. He was offering a, a seminar to Red Bull Performance, um, and he was spending time with some of the skateboarding athletes. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's run some beams down, and uh, it was cool. So some of the Red Bull guys that you see in some of the posts, he was just showing them how to work on their stability uh, in, in order to improve their uh, their balance, uh, you know, in skateboarding. There's some other extreme athletes there too. So, so yeah, that's been, it's been pretty cool. I, we, we were just uh, – so we started doing some courses two years ago, and we started kind of locally. We've taught a few times. We headed to Western. Uh, at one point, we've hit some of the universities. We've gone to Montreal. Um then we ended up going to China, which was kind of cool, yeah. through the Foot Collective. So that's where, that's uh, that was our, actually our first course we taught through the Foot Collective. That was a few months ago, um, and that was just a bunch of people who couldn't speak English, and we were we were just having fun. We were just teaching, talking about feet, um, and that's where uh, we had a, a translator there for us. So it was a very oh, unique wow. situation. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so. It went over pretty well, though, because, again, movement is movement, right? Right. And everyone speaks the same language when it comes to movement. And luckily, we had our translator there for us. Um, so we taught in Beijing. Uh, since then, we've been booking up some other courses. So we've done a few ones in the Ottawa area. We did one last weekend or two weeks, two weekends ago. Um, and then we have some upcoming ones coming up in Toronto. And we'll be traveling to places overseas like, uh, like England and Scotland yeah. uh, and eventually Australia later this year. Um, so, so later this year, there's a bunch of uh, courses coming up. It's been kind of cool because you just, you get to meet different people. You get to really speak your mind and, and really explore what other people are thinking. But the education side of things is really something that's needed right now. So uh, yeah. we're hoping to help fill a void in that, in that area because whenever we go and do a course, it seems like people are really like hungry. They're hungry for this knowledge and right. they, they want to hear a different perspective. So it's just this weird thing. Everyone's kind of connected and they're like, I wish there's more, you know, opportunities to learn like this because I don't want to go through the old standard system of learning. And, and I, I just want to explore what's out there. So it, it hits home with a lot of people and we're just kind of building up the momentum that way and, and trying to, uh, trying to teach as much as we can. And it's been a really good response so far. So so yeah, 2018 is looking good, and the next uh, 2019 we're gonna be traveling even more. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, that is cool. That must be must be a whirlwind for you guys. Eh? Like I did not I did not realize it's only been three years since you you got like all this started. Like, did you when you first started? Like, was this stuff that you guys had like in mind? Like, was this a goal of yours, or is this something that just kind of progressed itself as it went on? And and here you are now, just teaching courses in China. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's very strange to us at times if you if you actually take a step back and look at it. But that being said, we knew we wanted to explore and go as far as we could in this. So we started the clinic up with the hopes of you know creating a, a busy clinic that we could actually treat the way we wanted. Since then, we've added people along the way who have really helped us. And that's given us an opportunity to explore opportunities like this. So 
the teaching side of things, our first course we, we did in our first year that we were open. And that was kind of, it, it was a, it's probably, it was probably two years ago now. That was, it was a kind of weird thing because we were like, you know what? I, I don't know if I feel ready for this. I'm two years out of school at that point. Um, are people going to want to hear what I have to say? There's all these things going through our head. But when you actually did it, people, uh, the response we got was, wow, you, we have a unique perspective on things. So it really gave us the energy to actually invest more and more into that. And we were just building and progressing our courses since that time two years ago. And just it's it's come to fruition that way. And, um, you know, I think the feedback people give us has really helped us along the way. And that's helped us expand and explore other, other avenues. And, and starting to travel is just something that, I didn't think would happen this early, but it's, right. it's very, very cool. And I'm, I appreciate everything, you know, everyone who comes to every one of our courses and that's really been the driving force behind it all. Do you see yourself transitioning um, away from as much of the full-time like clinical role and more towards that or? I think that that will necessity because there's only so much time in the day uh, when it comes down to it. Yeah. I always want to be involved in patient care. So face-to-face -face yeah. patient care is very key. Um, there's no other way of connecting fully except when somebody's right in front of you. And that's the, that's the key there. Um, but I really, really like teaching too. And that's something that I've learned over the past couple of years when we're doing it. So I think it'll be a slow transition process where I tr translate more time towards teaching, a bit less time towards clinical hours, but we'll try to have a happy medium in there somewhere where we can do a little bit of both. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. man. like, for me personally, I really appreciate like watching you guys do that because that's something I see myself hopefully having the opportunity to do when I get out. Cause I think it's just a cool balance, right? Like you get the opportunity, like I'm with you, uh, you want to be involved in, in patient care and you want to be in, um, working with people, but at the same time, like the power that, that we have as a profession to educate the public, I think is, is huge. And that's something that I, I definitely want to get like involved in. So seeing you guys doing it and like, like you're saying, you, you've only been open your place three years and like you graduate 2013. It's just motivating to see that, you know, even though you're, you're young and you're more like a new guy, like you can still have an impact uh, on the profession. So it's really cool to see that. For sure. I think social media has helped along, along the way with that quite a bit. And I don't think that, you know, that's something we got into right away when we opened. And I did, that's another thing. I didn't know where it was going to go. I opened it as a part of the clinic and we were just doing posts together at first and it was just like, okay, well let's just, you know, try to promote the clinic, try to market a little bit. And then it becomes this whole other thing where you, Oh, you can actually educate people on there. You can spread knowledge. Um, you can reach out to people. And I think that was a big driving force behind it all as well. But you're right. I think that it's very cool to be able to treat somebody face to face, but it's also, you have the avail you have the ability to reach that many more people when you, yeah. when you teach. And if you're educating people, these are people, that go back to their clinical practices, to their uh, their training clients. Whoever comes to your courses has the opportunity to spread that knowledge and put it into practice themselves. So then you're seeing this whole you know ripple effect where they can actually use what you're there te you're teaching them. So you're right; it just spreads that much further when you can actually start educating people. Plus, it's fun and it gives you yeah. a little break because, like it or not, you only have so much energy in a day, and right. it does require a lot of your energy. And for better or for worse, right? It's you want to be there for everybody and you don't want to have to start to slack at that and you don't want to you know reach these areas I've had when I first started I thought I was going to burn out in the first year right because I had so, so many patients I had to deal with I wanted to give them my all with everybody mm -hmm. so having something that you can give you a little bit of a break from that 
and it just kind of recharges you and both feed on everything. What you teach helps you with your patients. What you do with your patients helps you teach, right? Yeah. Um, and in both worlds really help you out. Yeah. Man, like, and even just the fact that your guys' page has had so much impact, like, even with us, you know, like, I think for us it's been huge just being able to see what you guys are doing and be like, oh, this is something that's actually possible to have, a, or else we wouldn't have even known, right? Exactly. That's good. And I'm glad, like, you guys have actually come a long way, too. That it's, it's pretty crazy. You guys are still in school, right? So I yeah. think that having the drive to do this kind of thing is huge. Mm -hmm. And if you know where you want to go with it, that's step number one. Yeah. And then it's just about being consistent after that and just sure. acting in ways that support that goal and that vision that you have. So yeah. just really doing the, the little things each day that bring you towards that, whether it's just getting your movement in that day, continuing to learn, continuing to read, little, exactly. the little things. Because along the way, it can be very overwhelming. Yeah. And it's not something that is going to happen overnight. You know, it might appear like things happen overnight, but you don't see the day in and day out, right? Oh, so it's just you just got to be consistent, trust the whole process of things and things start to come around for the better. If you're, if you're passionate about it and if you keep being consistent and, and developing good habits along the way. Cool. Yeah, totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, I wanted to, so you guys are obviously like diving into new things. Um, I was just was curious if there's any new areas that you guys are recently like have dove into in terms of like just you personally, or maybe what you guys are using in the clinic. Yeah, so one thing we've introduced in uh, as a part of the new expansion is a flotation tank, and that is something that has been very eye-opening for patients, but it's something that hasn't been used in physical therapy before. And what it is is it's a tank, and it almost looks – it's like a pod that you get in, and there's about 10 inches, 8 to 10 inches of water in it, and there's about 1,000 pounds of Epsom salt in it. So what you do is just get in, close the door, close the hatch, and lay on your back and you completely float above the water so what it is is a gravity free environment and it's something where sensations are eliminated so you have no light you have no sound in there you have no gravity you're having to support your body or your joints and um, the temperature of the water is actually the same as your skin so you don't feel much at all Oof. so it almost feels people have explained to me that it feels like they're floating through space or they're they're drifting down a river there's these weird out-of-body experiences <laughs> that people get too yeah. But what it is, is we realize that a big root cause of a lot of people's pain these days is stress. So not being able to downregulate their bodies and just being too, you know, amped up all the time, whether it's through work, family, the craziness of life these days, uh, you know, the internet, all of these things, technology, people are just go, go, go all day long. And I think a big issue is they don't know how to calm things down. So that was a big, big thing. And we, we could do our best. We're big into breathing practices and educating about stress reduction and things like that. We're like, hey, we know that this exists. I've done it myself before. Uh, I did it about four to five times before. I was like, this has been the best thing for me personally, so why don't we do it in the clinic? Why don't we just break the mold and introduce this thing? Because guess what? We don't use any of the other machines that, that anyone else uses in the clinic. We don't use ultrasound. We don't use stim. None of that. So we're like, you know what? I'm open to modalities if I really, really believe in them. Yeah. So I really, really believe in this. Why would we not put it in the clinic? And it's just something that's been, we just started a few months ago, but it's been very well received. Now, some people, it's funny because the people who have a questionable experience in there tend to be the people that 
quote unquote need it the most. Yeah. However, we've had a very, very good, um, you know, it's been, it's been very popular so far for the most part. And people are starting to tell their friends and family about it. And even for <laughs> ourselves, it's, it's been really, really effective for us. And it just allows you to just down regulate and focus on your breathing. It gives you, we typically do about an hour um, to start. And it just gives you the opportunity to lay there, reflect, feel your breath. You can literally hear your lungs. You can feel your heart. All these things that we're never thinking about. And it's something in this busy world, you don't have a chance to actually feel your body, right? So it's just, I'll coach people a little bit on their breathing before. We'll usually do a little bit of mobility work before, loosen things up, educate them on their experience and what to expect. But then it's up to them. And a lot of people, you know, it's, it's just them and their minds and their bodies. And the things you hear are, are incredible. People say they have out of body experiences. Um, you know, they can go into states where they're, they, they figure their lives out sometimes. It, it's super weird. Things just appear really clear after and it's yeah. just that relaxed you get into. Because a lot of people are ne can never fall into that relaxed state and think about things clearly. Right. So when you have a modality like that, it just allows you to get to these levels of deep relaxation. Some people li literally just say they, they're almost sleeping the whole time and they get out and the common theme is people have the best sleeps of their lives after this thing. So it, it's, it's just really a good all around tool. And it's, and it's something that is an, a good adjunct to our treatment. It's not the be all end all, but I think as a modality, it should be used in more clinics, more medical uh, facilities and things like that. Cause the uses are, are huge. Yeah. I agree. It's almost like forced mindfulness. Yeah. Like you have no choice, but to kind of get in that state. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see, like, I mean, I guess you can kind of comment on some of the people that use it, like the populations that are using it, but I could see it being like super helpful with people that are dealing with maybe some of that chronic pain that's more, you know, driven by like those psychosocial factors, not necessarily like mechanically driven. It just kind of gives people the opportunity to really get in tune with themselves. Is that kind of who you see using it? Yeah, for sure. I think that we have many different populations that are starting to get benefit from it. So the athletic population is starting to get benefit from it just from a recovery standpoint where they yeah. can just relax with no stimulus. So that's kind of completely at the other end of the spectrum. You're right. The, the person who has more of a, a psychological socio social part to their pain, uh, the person who has trouble relaxing, who has a very underlying stress as a root cause of their pain can get a lot of benefit from it. And it's people that, they're sometimes kind of disconnected with how their their body should feel. They're in a state of, they kind of encompass, they basically encompass stress. So the person who is totally in tone, totally protective, they get a lot out of it so far from what we're seeing. And, and they're just able to relax for the first time. Um, think about these things, breathe, think about their life, not just their pain, but their life. And um, I think that their faces, you'll often see them come out and they, they're a lot different, a lot just kind of more lit and happy. Um, and sometimes it takes a few floats for that to happen, but, but generally it's those people that can get the most benefit out of it. And the people I was the people who, who need it the most are sometimes the most averse to get into it. But, but those are the people, once they actually go through it and you explain it to them, it's education, right? If they realize why they're doing it and they actually go through to do it, they can often make some huge, huge gains in terms of getting to the root of their pain. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's, it kind of comes back to that thing of like, people just don't really realize like what it's like to 
be not like super hyperactive. We go through life. Like I know I'm going through it right now with placement and all the things we're going with. When you actually get that time, you don't even really know what it feels like to like down regulate. And then once you actually do down regulate, you're like, your body's like, Holy crap. Like this is what it feels like. Like that's probably why people feel it's like a life changing experience. Cause for the first time their nervous system was just like calm down, <laughs> like kind of <laughs> yeah. back to like normal almost. Sometimes it's been years since people have actually calmed down and it yeah. sounds really weird, but this is just a little tool to help you along. And, and I know for me and for a lot of us, it's just something that builds in the background and now I'm better and being aware of when it's time to do something like that. And it doesn't have to be the tank. itself. Uh, that just happens to be something that I, that I trust and I know that works very well for me and for a lot of the patients that we're seeing so far, but it's just something like, okay, I, I need to do something to get myself under control Mm -hmm. Let's do something to reset things and you get out of there and your state, it completely changes your state. Your state is very different. The rest of your day is often very pleasant and, and you're just in a, you're thinking about things differently and you realize that some of the thoughts going through your mind before were really contributing to your state of being, your, your level of pain, your level of arousal. And, and it wasn't, it was affecting things way further than your, your pain. It was affecting relationships, affecting a lot of other things. So it's just, I think it's a very useful tool to kind of get to the, try to get to the root of a lot of that. And, and people are, people use it for different things. Yeah. Like I said, the, the, we, we have a few CrossFitters that used it throughout the CrossFit open. So they're using it just to recover. And again, they're getting those added benefits from the mental relaxation and yeah. psychological components. But um, yeah, it's, I think I, and I hope this becomes a thing that more people use in physical therapy practices and you're going to see it explode in the States right now, but it's been slower to come to Canada. You're seeing it in some of the bigger cities like Toronto and Vancouver, but um, you know, we, we just wanted to bring it into the medical and clinical system because I think that's where it's needed the most because you often see float centers that are popping up, but they're, um, you know, it's a little bit different. People are using it for different reasons and it's not really mainstream yet. So I think it's something that needs to become more mainstream and that's something that's thought about when it comes to, Oh, it's part of my, my treatment or part of my part of maintaining a good health is, is using this when I need to. And it's a, it's a reliable tool, but I don't have time to go into nature for the weekend. Right. Mm -hmm. Because let's face it, it would be great if everyone could, you know, take off and relax and do a yoga retreat every weekend. But sometimes you just need a little reset uh, and something that gets you back on track midweek. So you can actually perform at your best. Um, for some people or some people, it's just what's needed to get them out of that funk or that hole. So, yeah, that's awesome. And I really, I, I agree. I hope like it starts to become more adopted in, in the physical, in the, in the allied health profession in general, I think it can be a, a super good tool to, uh, to help people. And I, I like that it's more, it's like, it's patient focused, right? It's them focusing on themselves. They're the ones that are exploring it. They're not, it's not you, um, them becoming reliant on you like using a, some other form of modality, right? It's like them experimenting with themselves. And I think that's, that's super powerful. Yeah, exactly. Totally agree. Cool. One question we like to ask um, all, all of our guests is like, is there anyone right now that you're, that you're following that, whether it be like on Instagram, um, whether it be a book, a podcast that you would want other people to know more about? So from a training and physical therapy standpoint, um, Max Shank is one name that pops up, pops into mind. I don't know if you guys have heard of him, but he's, uh, he's been someone who I've been following for quite some time. Uh, he puts up some really, really stuff, very creative stuff. 
uh, from a clinical standpoint as well, Charlie Weingroff is somebody who I always speak highly of. We've been to a few of his courses and he just really hits home with his message. He's very into the functional movement and the functional training part of things. But, but I think that uh, I've got a lot out of him. Greg is another one that I always like to follow fairly closely. So, uh, you know, he's always putting out some good stuff with uh, functional movement systems, but he's a bigger name than I'm sure a lot of people have. Mm-hmm. Uh, book-wise, I, I like to explore different genres of books. So uh, one that I have read recently, probably the most recent one has been Jordan Peterson's book, uh, 12 Rules for Life. Yeah, I've been meaning to get into that one. Yeah, that's been an interesting one. So I'd run that for a whole different reason. And that's more, you know, a, a way of looking at life. And uh, he just, re- he has a really good philosophy on things in general. But uh, he, what was the last clinical book I read? I, from a running standpoint, Jay Deshari is, uh, has been putting out some really good stuff. And I just read his book. I just can't recall the, the name of it right now. But he's a really good running researcher. And he's been always putting out some good stuff. So I would look into him as well. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. The one thing I really liked when I, when we, when you came down to Western and we were talking is just this idea of exploring different areas of, of everything. Like, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be just physical therapy, but like you're saying, like exploring, looking into like Jordan Peterson, or I know you were talking last time we were talking about like the brain. And I think it was the brain that changes itself. That book that you were reading. I, I recently just read that or like, uh, I think, I don't know if it was you or Nick that read like why we sleep. Like there's so many different books out there that, that are not necessarily physical therapy, like related, I guess, but it can have an impact in your, in your, your treatment and the way that you approach like everybody. I think it's uh, it's super powerful. For sure. Yeah. That's one of my real big interests is just uh, learning about the brain and learn the nervous system in general. So I've read tons of books on that and that that's one of them that you just mentioned um, so yeah, some people, there's Norm, Norman Doidge is a big, uh, brain guy. Daniel Amen is another book I've read. One of the most powerful books I've read was, it was called, I, I can't really name, but it was basically about an all encompassing way of looking at health. And it was from the same guy. You know what? I am blanking on the name right now, but, uh, brain guy right he was a neuroscientist and i get a lot out of these neuroscientists guys who are just kind of getting to the root of all these things and i like really being able to explain be able to explain to people why things are happening to them and why they're mm-hmm. thinking certain ways or why their pain's happening um because science has given us the ability to look deeper in these things and the more you can learn about the, the brain and the underlying mechanisms uh, i took biology as an, an undergrad um so that's where i get a lot of my base level knowledge and a lot of my interest is in biology and I took psychology as my as my uh, minor right so so these things I'm constantly learning about and if you learn about all these different areas you can apply them to the human animal which is the person sitting in front of you and that's that's who needs it the most right so what you learn on yourself not only through movement but through your reading practice can be really applied to to everybody including yourself right (laughs) And, and I think that helping yourself out and learning for yourself is a good way to get it across to others because they're not healthy ourselves and if we can't apply these things that we try to teach ourselves then we're not going to get very far right so so yeah just learning about the brain learning about the nervous system learning about psychology and just like human existence in general i'm really big on on history and evolutionary psychology so if you can look at things from that perspective 
perspective and how are we supposed to be living, right? What are we meant to be doing? And if you can see a lot of things in health come down to the disconnect between what are we supposed to be doing and what are we designed to be doing uh, from an evolutionary standpoint and what are we actually doing? And the bigger the gap between those two things, the more problems that tend to arise, right? So, so I like the reading history and, you know, learning about hunter-gatherer tribes and all this kind of stuff too. And it really helps me just think of things a little bit differently so I can apply it to my practice. Cool. That's awesome. So uh, to wrap it up here, we like to ask a, a one parting question. If you could go back to that day, you're walking across the stage, Western University, <laughs> receiving your physical therapy degree, and you could offer yourself one piece of advice, whether it be about your future career, about life, whatever, um, what, would you, what would you tell yourself? I would probably say follow your interests and passion and don't stop learning. So I think the big thing is trying to keep an open mind in the whole process of things and following what you're really interested in. I've always been somebody that's really been interested in movement and being physical, playing sports, um, moving my body around. And I think that's what got me into this whole profession in the first place. And I found that when I actually let go and explored what I was actually interested in, it's, it helped me get to the next level. So don't really, don't follow what's currently being done just, just because that's what's being done right now, right? I think that's where everyone is for the most part when they're going through school and people are at varying levels of it. But I think just having an open mind and going down the paths that you're really, really interested in and exploring all these things that, that you know can help people, but maybe you didn't get into before uh, because it's not that what was taught to you or not that what, not what's be done right now. So don't be, you know, handcuffed by what currently exists when it comes to treatment. Don't be handcuffed based on what you were taught before. Be minded to explore because I think we can create a really special thing when we explore many different ways of doing things and we, we get out of these rigid ways of thinking. A lot mm -hmm. of people are in this, this rigid pattern of thought. And I think being an open-minded is one thing that I would tell myself and just go where, where it feels right and explore where it's right. So I'd have to say that. Awesome. We'll, we'll definitely end it on that. That was, that was great. Awesome. If you Thanks are, for having me. yeah, no problem. We really appreciate you coming on. I know you're really busy and um, we love to, to sit down and talk with you. Do you want to uh, pub like where people can find you, like your social media page, your website or anything like that? Yeah, so our website is optimizeottawa.com, and you can find us on the social media. Um, my account is optimize.physiotherapy on uh, Instagram, and uh, there's also the Foot Collective, and that's um, more of, I'm one of the physical therapists involved in that, and uh, that's me and Nick will, will work on that, do courses through that as well. So those are kind of our, our main platforms are through Instagram, optimize.physiotherapy, and uh, at the Collective. Perfect. Awesome, man. Sweet. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, Take we'll talk easy. soon. All right, bye. Cheers.